Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. In his first two weeks in office, President Donald Trump has been working at a breakneck pace to fulfill campaign promises and move forward on his vision for America. Perhaps no other campaign issue has carried as much importance as the nomination to replace the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. I think it no overstatement to say that this was one of the defining spoils of last year's hard-fought election. Well, as it happened, on Tuesday evening, Donald Trump named appeals court judge Neil Gorsuch as his nominee for the Supreme Court of the United States. Here to talk about the nomination in the confirmation process and its effect on our government is our resident legal expert, Matt Ressing. Matt, welcome back to the WRGC studio. Thanks for having me. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you back and to give a, a double dipping into the world of Matt and the legal minds um, these last two weeks here on WRGC. It is always my pleasure to talk to you. So, of course, I think the biggest question is we got the nomination on Tuesday. Who is Neil Gorsuch? Mm -hmm. So Neil Gorsuch, in many ways, is a very conventional pick for the Supreme Court. You and I have talked in the past about what sort of considerations go into choosing a Supreme Court justice back when we were talking about the nomination of Merrick Garland. And Judge Gorsuch has the right stuff. This is what we would typically expect to see in a Supreme Court nominee. He was born, I believe, in Colorado, but grew up in Washington, D.C. His mother was a high-ranking Republican official. She was, in fact, the first female head of the Environmental Protection Agency. So he was really born into this kind of Washington power elite family. His career really took that typical Supreme Court trajectory. He went to elite schools, you know, Columbia undergrad, Harvard Law School, and then even Oxford, where he got a, a doctorate of philosophy. He then went on to work for a very prestigious D.C. litigation boutique. He worked there for 10 years, worked his way up to partner, uh, working on high-profile litigation cases, mostly working for large corporations. And then he was put on the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, where he has been serving as a judge. That's a federal appeals court, which are often the springboards to the Supreme Court. So nothing really surprising in his credential. He is, of course, a conservative. He's a Republican, as we might expect to be picked by a Republican president. But aside from that, very conventional, very typical resume of a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> and I understand that he has clerked for several Supreme Court justices, one current Supreme Court justice and one who is retired. Uh, could you tell us who they are and what might that help fashion a larger picture of his judicial philosophy? Sure. He, he clerked for uh, Supreme Court Justice Black, who is no longer on the court, and Supreme Court Justice Kennedy, who is still on the court. And again, this is not uh, unusual. This is pretty typical, conventional, that someone sending to the Supreme Court would have clerked for the Supreme Court. That's really this elite, top-shelf legal trajectory where after you graduate from Harvard, Yale, or Stanford Law, you go clerk for a federal appeals court judge or a Supreme Court justice. 
Uh, what is unusual, and the first time this has ever happened in history, is that if he is confirmed, it's the first time that a Supreme Court justice will be on the bench with one of their former clerks. So we would have Kennedy and Gorsuch on the bench together, and that's never happened before. Does that necessarily equate to some kind of correlation between their judicial philosophy? Is it uncommon for clerks to be opposed in some such a manner with those who they have clerked for? Not necessarily. I think Supreme Court justices, when they're looking for clerks, they're looking for smart, hardworking people, came from top schools. I don't think ideology necessarily plays a central role in that decision. We certainly might expect that Justice Kennedy uh, had an influence on Judge Gorsuch during this really formative time in his legal career. And it will be interesting to see how the two of them interact on the bench. They certainly know each other. Uh, they've worked together in the past. And there may be some you know, ability for the two of them to have influence on each other in a way that other justices might not. I don't think we expect Gorsuch to be a Kennedy clone. In fact, what most people see in Gorsuch is echoes of Antonin Scalia, who was really the seat that Gorsuch will be filling. And of course, in his comments once nominated on Tuesday, he actually uh, referred to Antonin Scalia and uh, expressed some affinity uh, mm -hmm. towards the way that he appeared on the bench. Yeah, I think he called Scalia a lion of the law, and he uh, has a lot of respect for Scalia. That's been clear. He's written about him. He's spoken about him in the past. We knew that he was a big fan of Scalia. And we also knew, looking at his rulings and his writings, that Gorsuch is very much in the mold of Antonin Scalia. In fact, I think that's something that President Trump said on the campaign trails. I'm looking for someone in the mold of Antonin Scalia, and I think they found him. Uh, Gorsuch is known for originalism which means that when you're interpreting the Constitution, you want to cast your mind back to the 1780s to try and get in the minds of the people who wrote these words. He's known for textualism, which is this be very specific about language, this not read into the Constitution, things that are not there. He's also known for a philosophy of judicial restraint, the idea that judges shouldn't legislate from the bench, that there is a barrier between the legislature and the judiciary, the legislature writes laws, perhaps colored by their personal opinions. The judiciary's job is to interpret the laws really somewhat without regard to the effects that that interpretation might have on the particular people before the court. The idea is to establish a rule, a precedent that will apply in all cases. And you don't want it necessarily to be focused on the immediate issue. So we have a saying that sometimes tough facts make bad law. A sympathy for a particular plaintiff or defendant in a case might lead you to establish a broad rule that has unintended consequences. These are all part of Scalia's philosophy, you know, as he stated on the bench. It's really what a lot of what Scalia brought to the court was his philosophy of originalism, textualism, judicial restraint, and we're going to see Gorsuch trying to continue that legacy. And one of the other parts that was talked about uh, much in the analysis over the last two days was something he had said during his comments and then you don't want to be too impressed with your own rulings. Can you talk a little bit about that idea? I think what he's talking about here is the difference between a principle-based ruling and a results-based ruling. And Gorsuch at least sees himself as a very principled jurist and that he is going to try and apply a legal principle and that may sometimes end with a result that he personally doesn't agree with. 
And this is a real battle that we're having over the philosophy of judges that we put on the Supreme Court. There's a real temptation from people on both sides of the political spectrum to say, I want a judge who is going to do X. And we even saw this in the campaign. Conservatives were saying Trump needs to appoint someone who is going to overturn Roe v. Wade, who has a particular feeling on abortion. And on the other side, you know, Secretary Clinton, I think, maybe even said at some point, we need a justice that is going to overturn Citizens United. It's going to take a close look at it. It's very tempting to choose justices that want the results that you want. I think what Gorsuch is saying is that in his mind, that's not what judges do. Judges are there to apply a principle, a rule, a precedent that's going to apply in many cases. And sometimes the result of applying that precedent faithfully and that rule faithfully is going to be the judge doesn't really like you know, what happened in the immediate case. Maybe as an example of this, we might look at RIFRA laws, religious freedom restoration laws, which is something that we've talked about in the past on this show. And, and at the time the federal RIFRA was passed, it was passed by a you know, bipartisan but, but primarily democratic effort to prevent states from criminalizing drug use when the drugs were used for religious purposes. We're establishing a rule it sets a very high protection for religious freedom. And at the time, the effect was that these people using peyote couldn't be punished. But now we're seeing RIFRA come back and being used in a different way, arguably to discriminate against homosexuals. So if we apply the same rule to those two different cases, we end up with results that are very ideologically different. And I think what Gorsuch is saying is that if you're a faithful jurist, you have to do that. You have to say, well, you know, what does RIFRA mean? Is it constitutional? Is it proper? And if so, I'm going to have to deal with results that I like and results that I don't like personally. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to stop right there and take a short break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're talking about the nomination of Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. I'm joined in the studio by business law and ethics professor Matt Ressing. He is, of course, a faculty member at the J. Whitney Bunting College of Business here at Georgia College. Stay tuned. and We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we're talking about the nomination of Judge Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. This is, of course, the promise that Donald Trump made throughout his campaign to nominate a Supreme Court justice very early in his term, and here we are. But talking with us about it today is Matt Resting, a business law and ethics professor from the J. Whitney Bunting College of Business at Georgia College. I also like to refer to him as our resident legal expert. Matt, welcome back for this segment. Thank you. In the last segment, we talked about his pedigree, obviously uh, the job he's leaving. He was a judge on the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals based out of Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And to start off this segment where we're talking about what his confirmation might mean for law, I thought I'd ask you, what areas of the law does the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals generally look at? Well, it's very broad. So this is a federal appeals court, which means it hears appeals from cases that came out of federal district courts or trials courts in Colorado, Kansas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Utah, and Wyoming. So pretty much anything that was in a federal court in any of those states and gets appealed, it goes to the 10th Circuit. And Judge Gorsuch isn't going to hear all of those cases. You know, he'll, he'll hear some of them. Now, they could be anything. It's really a mixed bag. You can have criminal cases. You can have civil cases. We're going to have business law. We're going to have uh, federal securities actions. We're going to have constitutional issues. So really a bit of everything. Now, there are some circuits where you might expect the cases to skew a little more towards a focus area, like the Second Circuit that deals with New York. You're going to have a lot of business cases. If you're, uh, you know, Ninth Circuit down in California, you might have some more entertainment law. If you're in the D.C. Circuit, you're going to have a lot of government stuff. So I guess you're not going to see a focus on any of those areas. You might see it skewing towards the sort of things that would arise in Midwestern states, which might be issues of agriculture, environmental issues. But really, it runs the gamut. As we are trying to find out more about this nominee, are there any casework that he's done that uh, you're aware of and that might lend some kind of idea about his judicial philosophy to you? Sure. Well, we do know a lot about his judicial philosophy, and we talked about that in the last segment. He's really in the mold of Justice Scalia, and he's known for writing very carefully reasoned, informed opinions. He is a very respected writer on the right and the left. He's thought to be very specific with his language, as Scalia liked to be as well. As far as specific cases, you have to be a little bit careful, and this kind of goes into what we were talking about in the last case. People are going to be really tempted and have already started to comb through all of his writings, all of his cases, and say, well, he ruled this way in this case, so therefore he must believe in this. But as we said in the last case, it's, it's often not results-oriented. It's not about the way the case shook out. It's about the rule that was established. Judges don't just decide cases, you win, you lose. They write these long opinions about how they arrived at that conclusion. And for lawyers, the how they got there is actually more important than what they decided in many cases, because the how they got there becomes the precedent that will apply to future cases. So we are going to see a lot of people saying, he ruled this way in this case, therefore he's always going to do it. But remember what Gorsuch himself said. He said, I'm not that kind of judge. I'm the kind of judge who likes to establish a legal principle and that, that the cards fall where they may. If we believe him, and his record does seem to suggest that, we can't put too much stock in the results that his cases have achieved in the past. We have to look more at the legal principles that he stood for in those cases. 
Now, that said, there are some cases that people are going to point to and say, okay, he's, he's going to do this on the court. One is religious freedom. That's going to be a big one that people are talking about. And that's because two very important Supreme Court cases that were decided in the past few years came up through the Tenth Circuit. So those were the Hobby Lobby case and Middle Sisters of the Poor. Hobby Lobby dealt with a challenge to the Affordable Care Act's contraceptive mandate that said that businesses over a certain size have to provide a package of women's health care at no cost to their employees. And that includes four drugs and procedures that some people might see as you know, abortifacients, things that cause abortion, things like uh, Ella, Plan B, uh, IUDs. There were a number of employers, uh, including Hobby Lobby, that said that violates our religion. There's this law called RIFRA that says we get very strict scrutiny of things that violate our religion, so we don't have to do it. And Judge Gorsuch agreed. And then the Supreme Court agreed. And then Little Sisters was kind of Hobby Lobby Part 2, where groups sought to expand that and say religious groups have been given the opportunity to exempt themselves from this, but they had to file a form. You know, little sister said, well, we're not even filing that form. We're not allowed to. It's kind of a, a bit of an odd argument, but similar to the Hobby Lobby argument. Gorsuch ruled in favor of the Little Sisters of the Poor. It got to the Supreme Court last year, and it was expected to, they were expected to win 5-4, but Scalia died at that point. So the court split and never actually reached a decision. In fact, they kind of punted it back and said, go, go figure this out amongst yourselves. We could safely say that Gorsuch would fill Scalia's shoes in that sense and would have voted, been the, the fifth vote for Little Sisters. I think we can probably say that most things that Scalia would have supported, Gorsuch would still support. Gorsuch is skeptical of federal power, as was Scalia, states' rights advocate. Now, for Democrats, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Gorsuch is kind of a traditional conservative justice, which I think under the Obama administration, many Democrats bristled at, and they said, you know, he's not allowing Obama to do the things that he wants to accomplish. Well, you have to remember that now we have a federal government that is dominated by Republicans. So to Democrats, a conservative judge who believes in states' rights and limits on federal power might not be such a bad thing for the next four to eight years. And that's where it gets interesting. How will Judge Gorsuch rule if he's called upon to examine President Trump's recent executive orders as maybe exceeding the bounds of executive power or federal power? Is he going to be tempted to follow the party line or is he going to stick with his principles of small government and very careful limitations on executive power, which may actually end up with a result he's ideologically opposed to? So we really are going to put his judicial philosophies to the test over this next term, should he be confirmed. And that will set us up for our next segment. But right now in this segment, we're out of time, so we're going to take another short break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're talking with business law and ethics professor Matt Ressing today, and he is here to discuss the nomination of Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court of the United States. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. We're reacting and talking about the recent nomination of Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court of the United States. That nomination came down on Tuesday evening. And here, Thursday evening, we have our resident legal expert, Jay Whitney Bunting College of Business, Business Law and Ethics Professor Matt Ressing. In that last segment, we finished off previewing this segment, which is the confirmation process. You were saying that although this is considered to be a very conservative judge, Democrats may want to really dig in deep and weigh their options before coming out in support or in massive resistance against this nominee. Start us off from right there, Matt. Well, we've always seen a knee-jerk reaction from some Democrats, or at least an immediate reaction uh, by some Democrats, to say, resist, resist, resist. That's not that this nomination through. A lot of it is because, of course, this is a conservative justice, and a lot of Democrats, particularly ones if they voted for Hillary Clinton, they were hoping and expecting a more liberal justice, and they didn't get it. There's also a lot of residual anger over the treatment of Merrick Garland, who was Obama's nominee to replace Antonin Scalia. Senate Republicans basically stonewalled him for 10 months, didn't even give him an opportunity to be confirmed. So there's and was that precedented at all? Not quite. It had been threatened in the past by you know people on both sides of the aisle. It is unprecedented in the length of the term where they didn't confirm. And it's unprecedented in that they didn't even give him an opportunity. He wasn't even contacted. So that is quite a snub. That said, our confirmation process has been kind of headed that way for a while. It wasn't a shot out of the blue, even though it probably was different in scale than anything we've seen before. So a lot of Democrats say, well, turnabout is fair play. We're not going to approve any of your nominees. I personally think that's a tactical error should they do it, and, and for a few reasons. One reason is that there's probably not a lot of opposition to Gorsuch, except for the fact that he's a conservative and there, you know, people are mad about what happened to Garland. Otherwise, he really is a sterling candidate. He's got all the, the credentials, and he's not ideological in the sense that he is giving press conferences talking about Roe v. Wade being an abomination, as, as one of uh, uh, Donald Trump's other potential picks had said. He's certainly not a middle-of-the-roader, but he's not bombastic. He's not extreme. So it's going to be hard for Democrats to oppose this on the traditional grounds for opposing a Supreme Court justice. Also, is a much more practical aspect of this, is that they can't win. It requires 60 votes to confirm a Supreme Court justice, and the Republicans don't have that on partisan lines. They have 52 votes. But if eight Democrats don't go along with this, if all the Democrats stand as a wall and, and refuse to confirm, Republicans have an option that's often called the nuclear option. Because they're in control of the Senate, they could revise the rules to drop the bar from 60 votes to 51 votes. And at that point, they could confirm Judge Gorsuch along party lines. This would be pretty extreme and, again, in history, kind of unprecedented, except that the Democrats did something similar back in 2013 with lower court nominees. When Democrats controlled the Senate, they lowered the bar for confirmation of certain federal appointments, including district and appeals court judges, to a bare majority. And they used that to effect in the Obama years to get a lot of Democrats onto the bench or Democratic-supported candidates. So it would be a tough sell for, I think, for Democrats to oppose this and then summon the sort of moral outrage that they would want 
over Senate Republicans exercising the nuclear option. Because the Senate Republicans are going to come back and say, well, you did this sort of thing in the past. And what's your real problem with this guy other than he's a conservative? And you knew he'd be a conservative. It's a Republican president picking a conservative judge. So I don't think Democrats have to be happy about it. I absolutely think they should go, they should, you know, put him through the ringer as all appointments go through, dig into his past, dig into his opinions, question him, interview him. That's all part of our process. But in the end, I think that at least the majority or a significant amount of Senate Democrats are going to join in voting to confirm. And they're really going to hold the big guns with the idea that Trump might get a chance to appoint someone else to the Supreme Court during his presidency. I think that is when you really will see a major confirmation battle, particularly if it's someone without the judicial bona fides of Judge Gorsuch, or if it's near the end of President Trump's term, where they might be able to pull a Merrick Garland and, and obfuscate until the next election. All right. And now, as we the people are watching this confirmation process play out, what should we be looking for? <laughs> We should be paying careful attention, as we should with all of the nominees to administrative positions in the federal government. You know, I've told you a little bit about Judge Gorsuch from what we know so far, but we're about to learn a whole lot more about him. Now, he's gone through a confirmation process already when he was put on the Tenth Circuit bench. So, again, his history has been vetted pretty carefully, but that was 10 years ago. We're going to learn a lot about what he's been up to. We'll learn a lot about his opinions, his philosophies. We're going to get questions from Republicans and Democrats. They're going to bring out different aspects of his history. And this is really important to know, because if he is confirmed, as he's expected to be, he's going to be a very powerful man, arguably even more powerful than the person who appointed him. Uh, Supreme Court justices in the modern context, uh, and the other thing I should say is he's young. He's 49 years old. He could be on the bench for three, four decades this is someone who really will shape the future of law in this country, along with all the other Supreme Court justices. We should pay a lot of attention to who he is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. Well, we will be paying attention, and I'm sure we'll have you back to talk more about it as we get closer to the up or down vote on confirmation. Matt Ressing, thank you very much for joining me again today in the WRGC studio. It's my pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we are talking about the nomination of Judge Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court of the United States. Joining me in the studio, as he often does on matters of this importance, is Matt Ressing. He is a business law and ethics professor at the J. Whitney Bunting College of Business at Georgia College. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending this portion of the evening with you here on WRGC 88.3 FM. And I want you to know, I look forward to convening with you next time.